This is Overcoming Powerless Christianity, the podcast that helps you experience more of God's power in your everyday life. And now, here's your host, Mike Manuel. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast entitled, How to Not Stink. Yeah, that's the title. (laughs) And I'm going to start by asking you this question. How do you respond when the things God has promised you don't seem to be happening? This is an important topic because how you respond when God doesn't seem to be coming through with his promises for you could be the difference between whether you stink or you don't stink, spiritually speaking. Now, I don't know about you, but I take consistent measures to make sure that I don't stink physically. Uh, It's important to me, and I'm pretty sure it's important to some of the people around me, especially like my wife. Um, So we, we, we take efforts to not stink physically, right? Uh, but how often do we think about not stinking spiritually? And that's really what we're going to talk about today. You know, the Bible, uh, in the Bible, Jesus makes uh, a lot of promises to us. And um, some of the promises that are made to us through through Christ are this, that if we trust in him as Savior, that he promises eternal life. And he promises his unconditional love to us. And he promises peace and an abundant life. That's just to name a few. Now, some of these promises from God are sort of general in nature, and they're for for all believers, Uh, but there are some promises from God that are very specific for you, and very specific promises. And uh, in either case, it's important to know that um, God does make promises, and God keeps those promises. But before we go on any further on uh, how to not stink, (laughs) we need to talk about uh, the area of our responsibility of God's promises, because there are uh, a couple of ways in which we are responsible for God's promises not being fulfilled in our life. I guess in a, a more uh, uh, direct way to state that would be to say, there's sometimes it's it, when it's our fault that God's promises aren't happening in our life. And a couple of those ways, uh, here's the first one, it's misinterpretation. We can misinterpret our own strong desires for God's will. Uh, our strong desires for something or someone can be so strong that it, it's sort of our heart and mind sort of morph it into a, a, like the will of God and, and then a promise of God. And then so when it doesn't happen, we feel like God let us down on his promise. Um, a couple of examples of this, or which I've seen a lot, um, people, somebody isn't, say, uh, they're not um, satisfied with their job. And, and they'd like a new job or like they just want to quit work altogether and not work. And I've seen that desire be so strong that pretty soon they're just convinced it's, it's God's will and God's promise that they don't have to work there anymore or that they're going to get a new job or that they don't have to work anywhere. Now, can that be a promise of God? Certainly. Of course it can. Uh, is there times that God maybe doesn't care whether you do that or not? Maybe so. Um, but w- what I'm saying is, is that sometimes our strong desires can sort of cause us to to see to to think that it's God's promise when it when it really isn't, and and they they often don't um, those promises often aren't fulfilled because they never were a promise of God. Um, so that's just one way through misinterpretation. Another uh, area that sometimes we're at fault of God's promises not coming through for us in our life is from our own actions. Uh, a good example of this, uh, and I've seen this a lot also, is in the area of, say, financial stewardship. God's word does promise that he will provide for you, that he'll take care of all your needs. 
And that's really clear in the Bible, and that is a promise. Uh, and, and so sometimes I've seen people who uh, cannot pay their rent or their house payment, um, don't have money to buy, go buy groceries, and they're, they're thinking that God has not delivered on his promise to provide for all their needs. But when you look further, you find out they're, they're driving a brand new car or two with huge payments. Um, you find out that they're eating out, maybe not every night, but almost every night, which gets very expensive. They've maxed out their credit cards and all the goodies of life. They've let material things kind of take over. And, and, and so that's where they're spending all their money. And there's nothing when it comes to pay the rent and buy groceries, there's nothing there. And it's like, God, where are you? And so they cry out to prayer, God, provide for us. We're, we're stuck. Help us. And, and you can pray for that. He will help you. But you know, if you do the same thing month after month after month, you're kind of sabotaging God's promises for you and to you. He will take care of you. He will provide for you, but you have to be a good steward. Steward, And so that's just a, uh, one example of how we can um, sabotage God's promises just by our, our own actions. But that's really not the focus of our, of our, uh, of our podcast today is like, okay, how, how do we sabotage or how do we mess up God's promises in our life? It's what, it's what, what really happens? I mean, what, I guess, let me ask it this way. What if you know that you know for sure you have a promise for God and it's not being fulfilled? It's it's not happening in your, in your life. It, it's um, you haven't misinterpreted it. You're not sabotaging it, and but it's not being fulfilled. What do you do? Or maybe more importantly, the question we should be asking: What do we not do? Well, when when life is challenging and we don't seem to be experiencing what God has promised, it's easy to pull back from our faith. And begin to believe that God is not at work on our behalf. But according to, to the Bible, shrinking back from our faith is not an option we can we should consider. But it does happen a lot. It's like the life gets heavy. It seems like God's promises aren't coming through, and and we can maybe start to back away from our faith, kind of give up on it, like it was not going to happen anyway, or whatever. But the Bible tells us in in Hebrews ten thirty eight that we we shouldn't do that, uh, and it. God is quoted in Hebrews 10.38 in, um, at, uh, with this quote. He says, But my righteous one, that means you if you're a believer, my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. So what he's talking about there, the, the context of the verses, when we're under a heavy load, when we're under pressure, uh, when, when life seems to be kind of overbearing, we're not to shrink back. We're to, we're to shoulder up, and and uh, and God doesn't want us to shrink back. He doesn't want us to back away from our faith, and that happens to a lot of people. Um, and here's the truth. And here's here's where we came up with the title of today's podcast: When life circumstances cause us to back away from our faith, we stink spiritually speaking. Well, well, where do we where do we get that? Let me read uh, the next verse in Hebrews ten, verse uh, thirty nine. It says, "But we, again, meaning believers, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved." Now that word are destroyed. Well, it's two words: are destroyed, but uh, destroyed. Um, the original word of the New Testament. Um, writings, which was in Greek at that time. The original word for destroyed is apoleia. Apoleia. It means to destroy. The basic meaning is to destroy, to waste, to perish. Um, and it has this idea of, of death. Uh, 
And when you look at the root words of apuleia in the Greek, um, it, it has to do uh, even with the stench of death. Death stinks. I grew up on a farm, and uh, <laughs> and we'd be out, you know, out running around in, in the uh, throughout the land, or you know, or the, go under a culvert or something, and and get this terrible stench, this terrible smell, and realize, oh, that's a dead animal. You you only have to smell that once to recognize what that smell is, and uh, death stinks. You know, people often disagree on smells, like being because I was raised on a farm. Uh, I love the smell of freshly cut hay. But my wife, who was raised in the city, doesn't like that smell. She Actually, she thinks that kind of stinks. So we, we can't all agree on smells, but we can agree, I think, that the smell of death stinks. If you ever smelled a dead body, and, and probably, hopefully never a human body, but an animal body, uh, whether it was some sort of wild animal or, or whatever, you know it. It stinks. And that's what that word apuleia, which, which we have put in the Bible as destroyed, that's that's kind of the meaning behind that. It's like it's death, destruction, perish, but but the and the stench that the stink that comes from it, and and so really what what Hebrews ten thirty nine is saying is that when when we back away from our faith when hard times come, it stinks. It, it brings destruction, and that destruction is the smell of death. And it's like our faith our faith is dying. Or has died, or whatever, and it it does it does stink, and and so that's where we we get this idea. So that's how we that's how we stink, <laughs> spiritually speaking, uh, to the Lord is when we have had faith, and li- but then life comes at us, and we we back away because things aren't happening on our timeline the way we think it should happen, and in the timing we think it would sh- should happen. So we're like, well just forget this, or God, God's not listening to me, or I guess I don't have his favor. <laughs> the enemy just be, starts lying to us, and uh, we, we, back, we can back away from our faith. But um, if you go to Hebrews 10.36, which interestingly enough is actually before the two verses we just read, so it's actually giving you the answer before it gives you the problem, we see the answer of, of, to our problem of how to not stink, spiritually speaking. Hebrews 10.36 says, Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that God has promised. All right? That's that's really clear. He says you need patient endurance. That's what you need now. And if you continue to patiently endure, you will receive what God has promised. His promises do not go unfulfilled. He will do it, but you need to be patient and you need to endure. Patient endurance leads to the fulfillment of God's promises. Now, in the Greek language, again, the original language of the New Testament, the Greek, uh, the, the the two words, patient endurance, or maybe in your in your Bible, uh, like NIV or some some of the different Bibles, use the word perseverance. But whether it's perseverance, one word, or patient endurance, two two words. There's there's a, a Greek word that 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 came from, and it's hupomene. Uh, hupomene is basically sort of two Greek words put together. The hupo, it means under. It's where we get our word hypo, like hypoglycemic. It's, you know, our blood sugar's under. Hypodermic, it's under the skin. It's under, but it also means under and, and something kind of heavy. So we're under a load, all right? Hupo. Uh, so that's what that first part means. So we're under something that could be kind of heavy. And then the word mene means to remain, to continue, um, to be unmoving, 
Um, the, word, the word in the Bible they've also used, uh, translated to abide. It's the same word used by Jesus in John 15. Remember when he says, abide in me? And he says, remain in me. And if you don't abide in me, you can't, apart from me, you can't produce any fruit. That word abide is that word mene, to, to remain, to be hooked hooked into and, and not back away from that to hang in there so hupomene means under a load we're hanging in there we're we're staying connected to christ we're we're abiding we're remaining we're being steadfast we're not gonna we're not gonna back down we're gonna we're gonna be there because we know god has given given us a promise we know he's gonna deliver and we're gonna hang in there paul writes this in ephesians 6 to, on this idea of hanging in there he says therefore Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. That's coming from Ephesians 6.13. All right, so he says you need to stand your ground. And then when you've done everything, when you've put on the full armor of God, stand. See, we're not always to be on the attack. <laughs> there are times when we're supposed to go in and take back what the enemy has stolen. And we're supposed to, you know to advance the kingdom of heaven, but there are times we're called to, just to stand our ground. And and Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that we need to put on the armor of God and, and then take a stand and stand in there strong and don't back down, don't be pushed back. He continues on in verse 14, he says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. See, our righteousness comes from Christ. It's not something we've earned. Um, and when we're when we're saved we have the righteousness of Christ and so the father father god sees us as perfect and that's important because as we're standing uh under this heavy load trying to trying to stand up against the circumstances of life and wait for our breakthrough to come through wait for god's promise to be fulfilled we have to understand that we're not going to earn that promise we're not going to earn that breakthrough by some by our by our righteousness because we're already righteousness, we're already righteous in in God's eyes because of Jesus Christ. So that's why we need that that breastplate of righteousness. Um, verse fifteen says, "And with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace." You know, when when life is in turmoil, when life is hard, we need to stand in a place of peace. The Bible tells us that we can have the supernatural peace of God. I think it's, it's, it words it as the peace that passes understanding. It means we can't comprehend it. What it means is like, according to the circumstances around me, I should be in turmoil right now. According to the circumstances around me that are not peaceful, I should be very unpeaceful. But the peace that passes understanding gives us peace in, in those very times. Uh, that when it is stressful, when it is hard, we... We can still have peace, and so we need we need to have that as part of our our armor uh, that we put on. And then in verse sixteen, it says, "In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one." You see, so if we back away from our faith, uh, we've nothing to shield us from the enemy. I mean, our faith is a shield from the enemy, and when you when you back away from your faith because life gets hard and God isn't delivering on your time frame and in the way you, you think, and His promises haven't been there yet, you haven't got your breakthrough yet, if you abandon your faith, if you back away, it's like you've, you've lost your shield of faith, which keeps the arrows of the arrows of the enemy from you. And so the, the the enemy just has free shot at you and the, and he'll take it and he'll get you 
down even more. That's why it's such a spiral downward, uh, downward spiral you see in a lot of people's lives when when they are disappointed that God hasn't come through in a certain way for them that He promised them. And it it didn't happen just like that. It didn't happen quickly enough for them. Then they back away from their faith. A lot of times you see a huge spiral downward quickly. And because that's because they've put their their shield of faith down, and boy, the enemy's just having a heyday with them. So that's one reason why you got to stay in there with your faith. That shields you from the arrows of the enemy. And then in verse 17 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, he says, Take the helmet of salvation with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, the Bible says when Jesus comes back at his second coming, he's going to defeat the enemy simply by the words of his mouth. And we have the words of his mouth now in the word of God in the Bible. And if you'll read those and and get those in your seated into your heart and, and speak those words and pray those words, that's going to help you stand in there in times of trial. That's going to help you shoulder up underneath that. Well, you know, one of the things I really um, take comfort in is that God does make promises, and he carries through in those promises. 2 Corinthians one twenty says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And so what that's really saying is God makes promises. We can read those promises. The Holy Spirit can tell us those promises. We can realize those promises. And then we put the amen on it. Amen simply means saying, yes, it shall be so. <laughs> so we need to speak that, confess it, know that it's coming. And and we need to, uh, in the face of adversity, it, when life circumstances seem to be really challenging, we need to know that if, if whatever promises we have from God, and we have a lot— <laughs> that they're, they are going to happen. They are going to happen. We, we, we know that we know that we know because he always comes through on his promises. And I uh, just want to leave you uh, today with just 10 powerful promises of God. Now, there's, there's hundreds, hundreds, maybe, maybe thousands of promises of God. And uh, this list is uh, certainly not all-inclusive and certainly not in any particular order. But uh, here's just 10 powerful promises of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us we're in, we have a hopeful future, that we have our future is good and God has plans for us. Uh, in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus tells us he, he'll give us rest for our soul. In Isaiah 40, um, we're promised strength and stamina, like like be, to be lifted up on an eagle's wings. Um, in Philippians 4.19, uh, God promises to provide all our needs. In Romans 8.37-39, it talks about God's unconditional love for us and His everlasting love. Nothing can ever separate us from His love. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it, uh, the Bible promises that we can be free of fear because because God has not given us a spirit of fear, all right? So he's, he, we don't have to have fear. We can, we can live free from that. Uh, J- Jesus, in John 14, 27, tells us that he promises us peace. Peace I give to you, I leave with you. Not the peace of the world, but my peace, he says. Uh, Romans six twenty three, God offers us, to those who believe in him, eternal life. Not offers, well, he offers it, but when you accept him, then he promises it. Eternal life is a promise of God for those who believe in him. Also, he's promised to those who believe in him an abundant life in John 10.10. 10. And then in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31.6, uh, also in Hebrews, he says he'll always be with you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. So those are just 
just 10, I have 10 powerful promises of God that you can claim that you know that you know that you know are promises from God. And of course, there's many, many more. And maybe the Holy Spirit has given you some specific promises just for you. And I'm telling you, if you've not misinterpreted those, and if you've not sabotaged those by your own actions, they're coming. Hold on. And uh, you'll see those come through to fulfillment. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, if, if this podcast has been helpful to you, I'm going to ask you just to share it with somebody. You can go to mikemanuel.faith. That's M-I-K-E-M-A-N-U-E-L.faith, mikemanuel.faith. And uh, go to this podcast, find the podcast of How to Not Stink. And, uh, and you can um, copy that website or you can send it on, forward it. You can share it on Facebook or Twitter. You can uh, email the link to someone. And you can also subscribe uh, through iTunes to this podcast uh, that way as well. At MikeManuel.Faith, uh, there's a place on there t- that you can uh, subscribe. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter, Overcoming Powerless Christianity. And... Uh, and I really encourage you to do that. It's just a weekly newsletter. I won't spam you. <laughs> I won't inundate you with, with uh, email. And I certainly won't give your email to anyone else. So I'd love to have you sign up for our weekly newsletter, Overcoming Powerless Christianity. You can do that on our website at mikemanuel.faith. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you on our next podcast.